This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How you feeling, T? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, what about you? Uh, I'm all right. Okay. You know. Listen, we um we we sprung ahead. Is that yeah. does that have you messed up at all? At first, no. It's catching up on me. Is it? Yeah. Okay. A little bit. All right. Yeah. First, I have been sleeping properly, and then I just fell back to my old backsliding, <laughs> old time ways. Got you. Got you. I am one of these people who feels like we need to stop doing this altogether. We need to stop falling back, yeah. springing ahead. Um, a lot of people in this world are not doing this. Yeah, apparently we are torturing we are, ourselves. We are the leaders in this foolishness. In the foolishness of yeah. it all. I feel like we should just pick, go 30 minutes up or down and just stay there. <laughs> just stay there. Meet in the middle. That's good for the farmers and for the industrialists. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. It's been a week. It's been a week in the market, in the world. It's a yeah. lot happening. And um, it's been eventful. Yeah. How no. have you felt about it? Um, you know, it's crazy. I got PTSD of financial mm. crises. So, you know, it's you like, be, it's you a trigger. Be a pro. You it's should a be a little, veteran. It's, a tr- it's triggering, yeah. to be honest. Like, I worked on Wall Street during 9-11. I worked on Wall Street during Lehman Brothers. the global financial crisis. So on one hand, it's like, oh, just another bank failure. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, oh no, yeah. the sky is falling. Where were you when you heard about Silicon Valley Bank? And so, I get it. This is not yeah. not not eleven. I don't know. No, I think I might have been eating a taco, for okay. example. Like I'm not sure what I was doing at the time. Okay, I yeah. was in Vegas. Oh, okay. I went to the Usher concert. Ooh. Um, last weekend. How was that? It was great. So I don't know what I was expecting. No, let me stop saying that. I had very high expectations based off like all the clips and all the feedback everyone has given from his prior residencies. I think this is his third run, and he just started it back up, and so. I knew there was strippers and and roller skating. Wait a minute, and strippers dancing. I knew it was a lot of that. Isn't Usher a church representative? No. Like we got strippers. I'm saying the ushers. Like I don't. Oh expect my to see- god, the ushers. Well, yeah, there were no ushers really? um, at uh, this concert. So I knew it was going to be like a, a heavy production. Yeah. Um. And so, like, well, first of all, it's Vegas, right? So I live on the East Coast. We are we were three hours uh, behind. And the show starts at nine o'clock. Okay. So essentially the show started at midnight for me. Oh. 
Um, and I will add that you are over 40 now. So. <laughs> First of all, I'm at 40. Don't yeah. over me. I'm yeah. at 40. Yeah. Um, I've been known to take a nap here or there um, when necessary. I did not take a nap before the concert. And I was expecting like, you know, a, just a solid two hours of a nice production. And when I tell you Usher, Usher gave three full out hours. Full So he gave out, it up. No breaks. He gave it up, up. Okay. Now, ain't Usher over 42? He is. So hold on. He how how come he could do three hours, but it sounds like you can't even Listen, watch I for did three it. hours? I did it. I gave, first of all, I'm, I'm an active participant at yeah. concerts. Okay. So I, I, I'm standing, I'm the dancing. It's love in this club. I was doing all of it. You ain't even changed your clothes I was the caught up. Correct. But I'm a full participant, so I'm not just sitting. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving everything I have also. Yeah. Was the crowd into it? Was oh my it? God. The crowd was into it. He was so good. Yeah. He was so good. Dancing, like, singing. Like dancing, singing. It started off where I was kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm getting a lazy usher. I feel like it was a little lazy. Okay. He wasn't hitting the moves as hard. I think he just had to like get into it because by the middle and the end, Baby. I was like, go off usher. Sure. Was he doing any covers or was it all his material? All, all his. Mm. Yeah, all his See, songs. That's where it goes down for me. <laughs> I'm just, I was never an Usher fan. I'm, I'm a little older. So Usher so Usher came out at the same time as the Whitehead Brothers. And I like the Whitehead what? Brothers better. I don't know if the you remember. Who? You don't remember them? The Whitehead Brothers? No, Alan. You don't, you don't <laughs> compare Usher to the Whitehead Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> it was like Monica Brandy. It was like that. It definitely was not. It definitely was not like Monica Brandy because they are of the same time period and of the Whitehead Brothers. Your love is a 187. How many other songs do they have, Alan? <laughs> Usher has 876 songs. Forget I was a G. I remember that. See? That now was come in the on. Jason's lyric soundtrack. Now come on. So I had to not pick. Don't you come on me two songs yeah. compared to. So here's the thing: when it comes to these rivals, I always pick the wrong one. It's not a rivalry. One. I pick the wrong one. Like I'm, a, I'm a Jets fan, not a Giants fan. Okay. Like I'm well, a Mets fan, not a Yankees. Okay, fan. Okay, but so. you, but Franklin High School and the Giants are two totally different <laughs> situations. Like, yeah, I picked wrong, so I'm not an Usher fan. <laughs> okay. You picked what? My love is a 187. Oh okay? my god! Yeah, they came out at the same time. I felt like I had to pick. They did I, not come out at the same time. They did. What? They did not come out at the 1994. same time. 1994. Yeah, Usher was a young buck. Oh my gosh. You I, were comparing these old ass men to a child. Because he was definitely a child when he they came were out. Like the same, they were like similar age. They were not similar age. He yeah. came out as a child under Puff. Right, hold on. Hold on. The Whitehead brothers. You can't be Whitehead <laughs> and, and, and not grown. So listen, man. People my my demographic, my era will understand that this was a big thing. They all came out about the same time. And 94 was like a time when people were getting a little more rugged with the music. I like hear Snoop you. was out. Like I hear The you. Chronic was out. There's nothing you know to do what I'm with saying? Usher. So he I was a little you. soft for me. Okay. And I but just the never. Whitehead brothers. You see what I'm saying? Were your jam. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's put it. some respect on Usher's name. Yeah. No, by I was the way. in Vegas I, when I heard about Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. And I love that Usher is getting that money, that Vegas money. That's long bread he's right there. He's earning it, though. I mean, yeah. he's working for every dollar of that. I mean, it was flips. It was shirts off. It was a, it was water yeah. spilling. It was so. Let me ask a question: When it was seven o'clock on the dot and his drop top, did a drop top come out? Like it, it didn't, was a, that it level didn't. of production. It, I mean, that level. It wasn't that level of production, but there was just so many other things. It was things coming from the sky wow. again. Roller skates. They were bringing in audience participants. It was a lot. Yeah, it was okay. a lot. All it right. was good. So speaking of Silicon Valley Bank, because that's where I was going with it. What's up with these banks, though? <sighs> What's up with these banks? And first of all, for and I I know Silicon Valley Bank, but for our listeners, what's the Silicon Valley Bank? Yeah, what is I haven't that? heard of no Silicon Valley Bank. 
Yeah, well, you know what's crazy though that a bank failure happened, yeah. and we had just talked about bank failures in December. Bump your bank, bump your bank. We did bump your podcast. bank, and we also did how safe are your accounts. Mm. We did that in December, and we went through in detail how the FDIC works, how SIPIC works. Facts. Like we're a little bit ahead of clairvoyant. Yeah, we, as Alan likes to say, prophesy. Yeah, we were prophesying. We we knew somebody was going to fail. We didn't know who. <laughs> we didn't know who or okay. how or when. We didn't know the hour or the day. But we knew that it was going to happen. Absolutely. And so go back and listen to that episode because we really, we broke it down preemptively. Yeah. And what, for the people who are freaking out, honestly, you don't need to call nobody. Literally everything is broken down in that episode. When we talk yeah. about like how safe are your accounts, that everything that you're hearing right now on CNBC, on the news, in the paper, it, it's already in that podcast. Yeah. Because at that time, FTX, the crypto currency exchange had oh, gone under. that's right. People's crypto accounts were getting locked up. And we said, you know what? It's time to talk about these banks mm -hmm. and these 401ks and all these other financial accounts. And then SVP happens. Yeah. And it's not only SVB now, it's also Signature Bank. Yeah. So let's break it down real quick. So SVB, the reason why this is big news, I know a lot of folks don't bank at Silicon Valley Bank. A lot of folks didn't even know how to pronounce silicon yeah, we, or silicone. Yeah, Alan. And or I, silicon. A, yes. He wants to know why it's silicon, silicon, or silicone. Yeah. Um, we do know that. That's not, we're not going to talk about that today. Yeah, but you did uncover that silicon. It wasn't an uncover. You uncovered that it. it's, it's an element. It's the most second most prevalent element on earth. Yes, it is. After But not the second oxygen. most funded bank, unfortunately. <laughs> That's a fact. So the bank got seized and shuttered. And this was the second biggest bank failure ever. And the largest failure since 2008. So a lot of folks are making those connections to mm -hmm. 2008 because of the fact that this is the biggest one since then. Silicon Valley Bank was the 16th largest bank in the country. And what happened was, so the way banks work, and we talked about this on a couple of our bank shows. That's fact. And by the way, I feel like I'm battling the banks right now. Why? Because oh, you're talking trash? First we were talking trash, then they stole my wallet. Oh, and now, the bank didn't steal your And now wallet. they're failing. You see what I'm saying? Not, no, I don't like, we're going to have the upper hand in this relationship. And then, and then people don't have the upper hand. Like, we didn't have, we yeah. don't have, first of all, we have clients who were in Silicon Valley Bank. So yeah. we don't have the upper hand. Yeah, well, either way, we, we won. <laughs> we're winning. All right. <laughs> I will say, and this is uh, no shade, and I, God forbid anybody got swept the up in this. The shade is coming. One of our old business partners who we bought out, mm. where we wired our mm. our payment to buy him out, it was at one of these banks that failed. So. Yeah. I hope our money was still in the bank. Yeah. I hope, because it was definitely over $250,000, <laughs> and I hope yeah. it wasn't insured. I hope we lost it. Yeah. And I know you're not listening to this She's podcast, but if hateful. you are listening to it- She's hateful. Bump you, yo. <laughs> I hope, you, I hope you had every dollar in okay. in, in Silicon okay. Valley Bank or right. or Signature okay. Bank. God, and I hope God it's a struggle now. God knows her heart. God does know my heart, which yeah. is probably why the bank failed. So Silicon Valley Bank. All right. So the way banks work, they take in your cash. Your cash is a loan to the bank. Deposits. Yeah. And they then loan the money out. They, and or invested. And or invested. And the, the loans and the investments are the assets of the bank. Your deposits are a liability of a bank. Right. And so Silicon Valley Bank had gotten up to $212 billion in assets, making it the 16th largest bank in the country. And then what happened? They announced that, you know, some of our investments ain't going so well. Right. And, and that's been the case for everybody. Right. So we think about it like the market has been tanking for a lot of people. What's been happening with stocks versus bonds has been like a crazy phenomenon. Well, it's not only happening for you. It's also happening for institutions and banks. They are investing their money in the same market that you are. They are experiencing the same volatility, the same ups and the same downs. Yeah. So they made a lot of investments in treasury bonds that were long dated bonds. And your boy Jerome got involved. 
he was raising interest rates, hating as he does, you know. and it caused the value of those bonds to drop in value. And so they had to liquidate a big portion of their bonds. In the process, they lost a bunch of money. They went to the market thinking that, hey, we can just raise more money. They made an announcement. They tapped the mic. Uh, we need to raise uh, about $2 billion because we're coming up a little bit short. And guess what the people who had money in the bank decided to do? I'm straight. Yeah, no, we're going to take our money out because mm -hmm. we no longer feel comfortable here. Yeah. And in one day, $40 billion was removed from Silicon Valley Bank. Again, they had 212 so meaning like that's like 20% of their cash. That's a fact. That's a fact. And so for a lot of people who are like, how do they have all this money? How are they the 12th largest bank? And I've never heard of them. 16th. 16th largest bank, but I've never heard of them. This is why. So Silicon Valley Bank is known for being a funder of startups. Yeah. Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. that's because they're out there in Silicon Valley. Yeah, Okay. Right. And so they are funding a lot of these tech startups, a lot of organizations that wouldn't get a, a lot of traditional financing from other banks go to Silicon Valley and they put their bread up for those tech startups. So the large amount of assets that they hold, a lot of it's coming from companies, startups. It's not as much as individuals. Yeah. So in return, because they're lending money to these tech startups, these Cash rich tech startups mm -hmm. are putting their cash in this bank. Word. You wash my hand, I wash your hand. Yeah, but now that the bank has failed and yeah. they, they were feeling away, clearly they ain't loyal. First of all, I helped you I was with you shooting in the gym. I put you on. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And when it gets bleak for me, you you pull your money out and you yeah. start running. Yeah. Not only do they pull their money out, it's like they're loudly pulling money out. Word and talking they, shit. They're yeah. pulling money out and talking shit. These venture capitalists started this bank run. Like they went online, on, on social media, on TV saying, hey, we need to take our money out of this bank. Mm -hmm. And the people listened. And it caused the bank to fail. Yeah. Any bank, by the way, I don't care if it's JP Morgan, Bank of America. And one day if you go in there and take 20% of all the assets in that bank out. It's a problem. They don't have a problem. It's a problem. So what did the FDIC do? They say, look, normally we only cover you up to 250 k but we ain't trying to have our whole economy blow up, y'all. Word, especially the way Jerome been acting. Yeah, so we, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bail you out. We're going to go ahead, you know. Eh. Which historically, I mean, <sighs> Everybody's we, fine. We've been bailing. We've been yeah. bailing out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, the difference of this bailout versus the 2008. How do I become a bank? <laughs> that's I mean, what we need to do. We need to just be a bank. We need to be a bank and too big to fail type of bank. And then fail. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It creates this thing they call it a moral hazard, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we've got this this sort Behemoth of, of an institution yeah, and it's, it's that like, our economy is banking on in some capacity. Yeah, but we, we make all the profits if it goes well. We, mm -hmm. meaning the bank owners, make the profit if it goes well. And if it goes bad, then guess what? It's on y'all. Taxpayer, bail Hold us out. Up. You see what I'm saying? So it creates this unfair incentive. And that's the thing that people are upset about with regards to Silicon Valley Bank. Unless you have an account. Yeah, and then in then which it's case, like, it's all thank good. You. Thank you. Shout out to the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like messed up. So there's a lot of folks that feel like, you know, this had nothing to do with me and I'm paying for it. So really, this bailout's a little bit different because it's really coming out of the FDIC, not coming out of the Treasury this time. The FDIC, as we talked about, it's a government program. It's an insurance program where banks pay into it. Mm -hmm. And when a bank gets in trouble, they can take a withdrawal from it. Yeah. And so they're using that withdrawal to bail people out. Because what's interesting about Silicon Valley Bank 
is like 90 plus percent of their deposits were not covered by the FDIC. Right, because they were over- Over the limit. Over the limit of $250,000. And it didn't just impact Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Also Signature Bank. Yeah, Signature Bank was just like minding his business. Doing nothing. Just doing nothing. <laughs> she literally got fired on his day off. So <laughs> Silicon Valley Bank is like you just walking down the street and you just get jumped. Word. For no reason. I don't even know her. Like, yeah, who are these people? Yes. Like, do I have the wrong colors on right now? Wrong part of town? Wrong part of town. So Signature Bank had about $110 billion. And while they were doing nothing, here's the one thing that they did have going for them that really put them in the spotlight in a not so good way. So Signature Bank expanded to the West Coast and they started to build a 24-7 payment network for cryptocurrency clients. And they had $16 billion in deposits from digital asset-related customers. They ain't listen to the podcast. Yeah. If y'all had just listened to the podcast, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have gone that far in, right? If you have $110 billion in total assets and $16 billion in crypto, yeah. it's, it's already too much of a risk. Yeah, but what's crazy, this contagion then leads to other banks. People are like, who else can we go for? Who else can we make a run on? So you started to see Charles Schwab start to get hit up. Their stock dropped by 12% two days in a row. You started to see First Republic. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what you see is just people's lack of confidence in banks. Yeah. And so they just, everywhere you look, you're just concerned about your bank in particular, and people start pulling money out. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. If you pull massive quantities of money out of a bank, any bank, it's going to fail. 100%. So I know a lot of people are like, it must be the CEO. He needs to cut his salary or they're making too much money over there. This ain't that exactly. Because yeah. um, their couple million dollar salary don't have nothing to do on the billions of dollars uh, that are that y'all were taking out. Yeah, that's a fact. So first we need to talk about just the history of bank failures. Like when did all this start? Because it did not start in 2008. It didn't start in 2023. Like yeah. this has happened before. Facts. The first big one that impacted black people was the Freedmen's Savings Bank. Now, this was a bank that really banked the newly freed slaves and African-Americans. There were more than 60,000 black depositors, and they lost over $3 million messing with this bank. And, and what, what happened with this bank was that they had some white folks who were on the board, and I, I hate to you know say it's because they were white, but they felt like the folks that were on the board were doing some shady stuff. Like they'd be on the board and they'd be authorizing loans to themselves, mm -hmm. and then their businesses would fail, and it caused the bank to fail. Yeah, and this bank really was only in play for nine years. It was incorporated in 1865, and by 1874, it was a wrap. Yeah, it was a wrap. And because of that and and by the way back then there was no fdic right the government was like yep so what you failed yeah. so all of these depositors lost most of their money yeah and they had about three million dollars in savings so just think about sixty thousand black households and organizations back in the 1800s mm -hmm. newly freed slaves had amassed about three million dollars in assets that's very, very meaningful. Yeah, that led to distrust in banks for generations. Yeah, because to Alan's point, there was no FDIC, there was no government, there was no SIPC, there was no treasury, right, that stepped in and bailed this bank out. It was just gone. Yeah, that's a fact. So we should talk more about these bank failures, the history of them, and what should people do about it? Yeah, because we're not only going to bring you the doom and gloom, we know what's happening, we're all going to be okay, but there are some things that you need to know and that you need to prepare for in the future just to make sure you feel a little bit more comfortable about how things go. Absolutely. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Momentum.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So we are back. Yes. We are talking about bank failures. Uh, this week we had Silicon Valley and Signature Bank fail. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany is not too displeased because <laughs> she didn't bank there. That's, That's not true. Up. That's That's not, up, I didn't no. say that. No, I didn't say that at all. Yeah. Just for that one person that we know yeah. who holds more than $250,000 in assets of ours yeah. um, at one of these banks, look at God. Yeah. So, you know? so before the break, we were talking about the Freedmen's Savings Bank, which mm-hmm. failed. And then let's keep going with the history lesson. So numerous banks failed in the 1920s and 1930s. Back then, there were over 30,000 different unique banks. Yes. There was like the Tiffany Bank of don't Central me, Jersey. Uh-uh, don't put me in there. <laughs> there was Hawkins no. Savings and Loans. No, don't, put, don't put my name on. First of all, if I had a bank, I, I wouldn't name it uh, using my name. I think I would use something just a little bit more unique and creative. Okay. Like mm-hmm. Wash Inc. Bank? No. Whoa. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Like, no. Like That's just a just a rearrangement of Tiffany Hawkins' last just name. Just like Get Money Records. You know what I mean? Bank. Like Get Money Bank. Just very obvious things. Very basic, obvious things. Cash, savings, and loan. Um, you know, deposits, bank. Just to make it overly obvious. Yeah. Okay. So there were so many bank failures. There were over, like, almost 50% of banks failed back in those days. That's why they created the FDIC in 1934. And since then, because back then there'd be a lot of bank runs. Bank runs is like, yo, I heard a rumor that they ain't going to be able to cash your check next week, so let's go ahead and take our money out. Same thing that happened with SVB. Rumors, yeah. Yeah. Stop telling those rumors. You remember that song? (laughs) You're a little younger. I do remember that song. Thank you. Okay. That's what killed that bank. So... FDIC came out 1934. They created this insurance program. And ever since then, nobody's lost a dollar messing with a come bank. Come on, come in on. In terms of FDIC insured deposits. Word. In terms of that. Yeah. Um, a shout out to the FDIC. So as you are banking with new institutions, I know there are new banking institutions and new banking platforms that are emerging in a variety of ways, especially with these online and digital platforms like Cash App and Venmo and all these other things that are now offering debit cards and in a variety of different products. Just make sure. Yeah. Just make sure they are FDIC insured. Matter of fact, here's the thing. If you don't have over two, if you don't have over twenty thousand dollars you're fine okay but if you if you anticipate having over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars sitting in an account then you want to make sure they are fdic insured if you are living check to check you're fine your money's going to be there don't worry about it they got you and if you have a credit union we didn't talk about this on that show we didn't think it was worth it but credit unions are also insured But the insurance is a little bit different. Instead of the FDIC, they have the NCUA, which stands for the National Credit Union Administration. Okay. It also insures accounts up to $250,000. So history lesson is going to continue. So what are some of the reasons why banks fail over time? Bank runs is a big, big reason. Bank runs exactly what happened with Silicon Valley Bank is, is a big one. Other reasons why banks fail, 
would be a collapse in the things that they loaned money to. So whether that's commercial real estate or a specific sector of the business community that they've made loans to. Or residential real estate. We know we had the huge mortgage crisis back in the day, and that Mm -hmm. really was a big factor in the bank failures. Oil prices going down. And if you're lending to oil companies, then that's going to cause your bank to mess up. Yeah. Agriculture and farmland also caused a crisis. Yeah, I think ultimately what we're trying to say and what you need to understand is that banking institutions make investment decisions just like you do in your portfolio. And if it works out, it's good for them. The people who use the bank don't feel uh, the movement one way or the other. But if it is bad for them, if what they've invested in does not work out, that is when it starts to hit home for the people who use that bank. That's a fact. Now, listen, there are studies that show that recessions don't cause bank failures and bank failures don't cause recessions. True. So what that means is that just because SVB is no more, just because Signature Bank is no more, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now we're in a recession. What it does mean for me is that I think Jerome Powell needs to chill out. I would like for him to chill out yeah. a little bit. I'd I be wanted happy him to chill that. out before, but now you can't kick people while they're down yeah. at this point. That's not right. You know what I mean? Silicon Valley, Signature Bank, we need some time to sort that out. Don't be throwing on interest rate points. Yeah, we don't need that right now. Not right now. Not Just right now. Be compassionate. Have some empathy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are folks that are saying that now that this has happened, he might lighten up a little bit on the pressure. Please, please bro. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. We have never heard Tiffany say please. We've never heard Tiffany even be nice and asking for stuff. She just takes it. She's like, please, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it was funny when my kids were little, like I used to be like making them beg for stuff just to be funny, just mm-hmm. to hear what it would sound like. And I would have my daughter say, please, Mitter, please, oh can you help? <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's Tiffany's version of begging no, right now. No, not at all. You're a parent. You're, you're, <laughs> that's not even necessary. So you, you asked me earlier about where was I when SVB mm-hmm. happened, right? And it wasn't that big of a deal this time. Because but you've gone through other major financial crises before. So I want to talk a little bit about Let's the global financial crisis mm-hmm. of 2007 to 2009. It was a very scary time. So at that time in my life, I was a Wall Street executive. Okay. Like I was doing it. He was doing I it. I was working on Wall Street. All right. I was advising all types of clients. Damn. I was a young black man in America trying to get it. Mm-hmm. You were also married. Married, young How kids. M- young kids. Just yeah. feeling like y'all balling. Had three. Had three kids. Damn. You started and, early. And um, the market started tanking like crazy, like to the point where there were literally days I would just go outside for lunch just to see if the sun was up. Like, I would know. No, I have no windows in the building. We had windows, but I needed to see the sun. I've, I've been to Goldman. Yeah. It's a lot no, of windows. We had windows. I didn't it's sit by a window. It's actually on the water. Yeah. And so it's views and windows. <laughs> I used to literally go like, I need to put eyes on the sun because I, I feel like it's not it's not up there. Okay. What was it like in the office though? Like, what was the climate in the office? Were people just like crying, shivering in corners? Was it just a lot of people on the phone, just talking yeah. fast? Like, what was going on? Nah, people were literally shell-shocked. Shell-shocked. That's all I can say. People just were- shivering at their desk, staring at a screen. No, nah, like you're, you're talking to people, but you're like, man, like the issue is the market went down from October of 2007 all the way until March of 2009, literally until March 9th of 09, the day Biggie died. I was about to say, shout out to Biggie. Yeah. Just turning it around. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, you do quarter- Did y'all play hypnotized when the market started going back up? Or even, even when it started going back up? Well, <laughs> even when it started going back up, 
you were still traumatized by the fact that it's been going down for so long. Yeah, you thought it was just like, listen, like we, you, you, you couldn't know what was coming. Like you had been through so much bad yeah. stuff. Like them throwing you a bone on one particular day didn't mean anything. Here's an example of an email exchange. This is a real live email exchange, right? So I had this client. He was the tr the CEO of this nonprofit. Um, it's actually a board member. He's the chairman of the board of this nonprofit, and we were managing forty million dollars for him in this organization. And um, Goldman had just come out with their economic forecast for the next quarter. And I sent it to him and I said, look, I think we need to stay invested. I need to, you know, things are going to bounce back. This is like around 2008. His response to me, and this is right after Lehman Brothers had just collapsed. His response to me is, are you smoking crack? I <laughs> <laughs> man had no faith. It was, he was down bad. So, so let me <laughs> let me walk through the the things that happened leading up to the "Are you smoking crack?" moment because okay. this global financial crisis it didn't start in two thousand seven like it really started in the nineties. So in the nineties, there was these new things called derivatives. These were derivatives where folks could invest in mortgages in a new way, like not just buying mortgages, but buying bets on whether that mortgage is going to make it or not. Mm -hmm. These were called credit default swaps. Fast forward to the mid-90s, around the time I finished high school. It was a great time. There were some good hip-hop albums that came out around that time. In the late 90s, you had Wu-Tang dropped. And you the had... Whitehead Brothers, clearly. <laughs> you had Nas drop <laughs> Illmatic, whatever. So it became a little bit easier for folks to get loans. The Community Reinvestment Act came out and it was aimed to end discrimination against low-income borrowers. And it allowed mortgage lenders to create what was called subprime loans. Mm -hmm. Subprime loans were loans for folks that had bad credit. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying these are loans for folks with bad credit, they called it subprime. Sounds a little bit nicer. Yeah. Then in 1999, this law called Glass-Steagall was weakened. Some people say it was repealed, but it was weakened. Mm -hmm. Glass-Steagall was a rule that restricted the activities of banks. Banks were allowed to be banks. They couldn't be doing a whole lot of extra stuff. So meaning like you had banks before that, that were, all I do is take in cash deposits and make loans. I don't do anything else. Now you can do cash deposits and Mortgages. loans. You could also do investment banking. You could also do broker-dealer mm -hmm. activities. And so now it's a lot easier for banks to do a lot more. Fast forward to 2001, 9-11 happens, causing the Fed to cut interest rates aggressively. Like that was a scary time on Wall Street as well. About, on Wall Streets, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, no, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. 2004, the SEC gets involved and says, you know what, banks, we're going to allow you guys to be a little more leveraged. Yeah. You could take a little bit more risk. Mm -hmm. And what do you think they did? Low interest rates, you're allowing us to lever up a little bit more? Get more money. They started to take a lot more risks. Fast forward to 2007. And think by 2007, things had gotten a little bit out of hand. Easy as hell to get loans. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, it was because I remember, I remember in being in college and I was out of college by 2007, but I remember being in college and like my friends were buying houses. And I was like, like and you I just in got out the dorm. Five, right? Yes, I just got. I'm just <laughs> damn near out the dorm. I just signed my first lease, and they were, literally were buying houses. I would go visit my college friends, and I would be visiting them at their house that they bought. I'm like, I know you don't got no credit. I know you don't have had no real income. Yeah. Like, what is going on? It took nothing for people to buy homes. That's a fact. Yeah, I remember one time on my lunch break, I was a homeowner already. I bought a house at twenty. 24, 25. I bought my house from my parents. It was mm -hmm. a lot easier because I didn't have to fight everybody to get the house. But I did get a mortgage, a federal mortgage when I bought the house. And uh, my house price had gone up by a lot. 
So one day on lunch break, I went to the bank. I went to Washington Mutual. Like, hey, I heard I can get a home equity line of credit. They're like, oh, what's your address? How much do you owe? Oh, here you go. And in my lunch break, they broke me off with a six-figure home six equity figures. loan. They didn't send anybody out to appraise the home. They didn't even know you. They knew me because I banked there. But yeah, it was easy as hell to get loans back in those days. Well, then what happened is in, in 2007, home prices started to go down. So a lot of these mortgages that were written on these homes became more and more worthless because the homes that were the asset, the collateral for those loans began to decline. And in particular, those subprime mortgages, the loans to those risky borrowers with the bad credit really began to unravel very, very quickly to the point where you could not sell one of those mortgage-backed bonds, one of those subprime bonds, bonds in the market. And so a lot of institutions, banks, they started to have issues with their balance sheets because they had invested in what they thought were AAA rated, highly credited mortgage bonds, and they started to be worth nothing. And again, the money for these loans, it's your deposits. Yeah, it really was. It, that, that's, that is what it is. This money's not coming out of the sky. It's not fake money. It's not like play money. Like, you know, I got you, you need anything or, you know, hit me back when you sell a house. Like it's real money that is coming from your deposits. So if one thing shakes, the other thing will feel it. Facts. So this is when things really started to get bad. Now it's late 2007. And Bear Stearns announced that they were having some problems, liquidity problems. Now, Bear Stearns wasn't a traditional bank. They weren't the type of bank where you walk down to the corner and deposit your check. Bear Stearns was an investment bank. Investment banks are the places that they help companies to go public through IPOs. They advise on mergers and acquisitions. They have brokerage arms where they facilitate the purchase and sale of stocks and bonds. But they also invest for their own account. And some of those investments landed on these mortgage-backed securities and these derivatives and whatnot. And so they got into some trouble. And so they went to the Federal Reserve Bank and said, look, we need an emergency loan. The Federal Reserve Bank said, eh, you know what we'll do? We're going to make you sell yourself to J.P. Morgan. And, I don't like that. And, and Bear Stearns, which like was- I don't like that. So first of all, if I ask you for some help, don't hold me in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Listen, I need a little bit. I ain't never even asked you for no help before. It was my first time asking you all for help. I, we do a lot of different things. If you could just help me out this one time. And, it, and you immediately put me on a stroll? Like, immediately? That's, 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 that is, that's predatory. I just want to put that but out there. But what's messed up is that at the time that Bear Stearns asked for the help, their stock was at 172. The price that they orchestrate the sale of Bear Stearns to J.P. Morgan. Two dollars. Two dollars a share. No, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going. Never mind. You have no choice. I do have a choice. Never you, mind. You don't. No, we're going to ride. We're we going to ride this out. We're yeah. just going to see how it goes. Yeah, they fought back. Eventually, the, the price was changed to $10 no. a share. Don't know. But folks got wiped out. Imagine you worked at Bear Stearns and you put a lot of your money in company stock. Like you, you were you were wiped out. Like, and Bear Stearns was a badass investment bank too. They weren't just like a oh who's Bear Stearns? Like they were like up there with the Goldmans and the Morgan Stanleys back in the day. Right after that, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got seized by the government. These were Morgan insurers, and now they're being seized by the government. And by 2008, like things you thought things were going to start to come back, but it got worse. Lehman Brothers. When Lehman Brothers went bust, okay, but Lehman Brothers was wild. Like all these other people, they were they were doing poor loans. You know, poor mortgages, just making some bad decisions, some bad calls. Don't put Lehman Brothers in there with them because no. they were just for the streets. Lehman Brothers Come on. were wilding. 
no more than Bear Stearns is wild. I don't I don't believe that. Lehman Brothers was up there with the Whitehead Brothers, okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They was up there with Ringling Brothers. They was up there with Barnum and Bailey and all. Yeah. No, Lehman Brothers is also a great firm. The firm had been around for 150 years and they had to file for bankruptcy. Like they went they also went to the Fed for help. And the and they also said, "Look, I don't care. Sell us we don't want to sell for $2, but just, you know, help us through this." And the government allowed Lehman Brothers to fail. Yeah. And in doing that, the government is basically saying, look, we don't care about if you're too big to fail. Like, we're going to let you fail. And they did. And in doing so, it caused a whole lot of additional ramifications. Because next, AIG started stumbling. But before long, it was General Motors is starting to stumble. A lot of other companies started to really, really struggle. Now, the Treasury gets involved. This was Hank Paulson. He creates this thing called the TARP. This was basically a chance for troubled assets to get relief. Like, so banks that had these bad assets on their books had a chance to get some help. They used taxpayer money to fund it. And that's the part we ain't like. Yeah. And once you got in our business, that's when we ain't like it. Between you and the government and the Treasury and Lehman and them, like, yeah. it's fine. But once you got taxpayer dollars involved, I think, honestly, to this day, that's why when when we hear about banks failing, we immediately think about taxpayer dollars. Yeah. And it, that's not the first line of defense. It really is not. But I think there's a bit of a traumatization from what's happened in the past. That's a fact. Because it's like tails, I win, heads, you lose type of thing, right? Because the banks will make money if their you know, aggressive, levered up bets make sense. And if not, then you, the taxpayer, will pay for it. And so the big difference, though, with what's happening with SVB and it doesn't feel like a big difference, but the bailout is not of the shareholders, it's of the depositors. Which, to me, matters. Yeah. Like, when you're talking about Bear Stearns, that was the shareholders right. that, that got the $10 And so a people share. were feeling like they were bailing out the rich. Yeah. And in this regard, when we're looking at the people who are the depositors, we are bailing out the regular everyday people. Yeah, I think the government's basically saying this, like, look, we in order for our country's economy to work, We've got to have confidence in our banks because without confidence in our banks- People are not going to deposit money. Then we cannot have mortgages, auto loans, any type of loans. And everything just seizes up. So I'm mixed on how I feel about SVB and Signature Bank being bailed out. Like I like the fact that our country is not willing to let our banking system fail. But I do think that there's some moral hazard involved where folks need to be slapped on the wrist for- doing wrong. So yeah, even in talking about the what's happened this week, like how much wrong did Silicon Valley Bank do, right? Like and so I think more of the fragility of our banking system than the right or wrong of it because if they were investing money in the same things that we all invest money in and it didn't work out and then this rumor mill started and people started pulling their deposits out, like I don't know if they necessarily did something super wrong. But more than anything, it just lets me know that the rumor mill or just word of mouth or just bad information can collapse our banking system pretty quickly. Yeah. That's more concerning yeah, to me than anything else. And so when I think about the bailout, that's when I feel like it's necessary. I don't know if Signature Bank or Silicon Valley Bank did anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, really, they didn't have to buy the bonds they bought. Like, Neither do we as <laughs> advisors. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could have bought shorter dated bonds you didn't have to buy 30-year bonds like well whatever but I, I agree with your statement that if everybody takes their money out of the bank because they lost confidence in the bank then it's going to cause any bank to fail 100%. i agree with that statement 
So we are talking about bank failures. Yes. Uh, that's what's happened this week and hopefully no more to come. But we're talking you through exactly what's happened in the past and how are we going to maneuver moving forward. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. It's the pathway to freedom that's leading to the North Star. Thank you so much for listening to the Momentum Advisors Show. This is Sean King, founder and CEO of the North Star. If you want to hear more shows like this, featuring black and brown voices on the most important issues of the day, head over right now to thenorthstar.com to discover all the podcasts we have to offer. We have over 500 different episodes from six different podcast series, and they're all great. Check them out. We are back. Yes. Still talking about bank failures. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. just a bundle of joy on this podcast today. We are. I think so. We're informative. We're fun. We're upbeat. Yeah. Um, Alan's making horrible musical recommendations, and I am out here giving my confessions. Shout out to Usher. Yeah. Well, your love is a 187. Oh, my God. That's true. It's murdering people? (laughs) Yeah. Or I'm killing it. It's one or the other. Murdering people. That's what your love's all about. (laughs) That's not not true. So we've been talking about these bank failures. Let's do a quick run through on the safety of your accounts. We already did a whole show about this. Yeah. And we're not about to do it again. We're not going to do it again. We talked about the FDIC again. Every account holder there's $250,000 in coverage. So if yes. you've got a joint account, then that means it's two fifty dollars per person. If you then have another account with your kid on it, then you get an extra two fifty. dollars We talked on our other podcast about how you can at one bank use a program like Intrify where you can have deposits spread across multiple banks. But then let's talk about your brokerage accounts. A lot of folks have brokerage accounts. SIPIC is what protects your brokerage accounts, and your brokerage accounts are insured up to $500,000 in case that brokerage account fails. And just like with FDIC, multiple entities equals multiple coverage amounts. Yeah, and just so you're clear, SIPIC stands for Securities Investor Protection Corporation. It is an insurance program. Absolutely. Credit unions, we talked about that. They have the National Credit Union Administration, again, NCUA. And I know because they have all these acronyms, it just feels super official. It feels like a government agency, you know, like this must be, again, taxpayer dollars. It's not. They've just been around for a long period of time. But ultimately, in short form, they're just insurance. They they just are companies that insure very specific entities, banks, accounts. That's it. That's it. So let's talk about advice. Yeah. So- First things first, bank failures happen. Like they happen all the Which time. Which sounds horrible. It sounds horrible that like you need to just accept that a bank failure is going to happen because I'll tell you one thing. If I wake up one day and my assets ain't assetting, <laughs> I'm going to be concerned, right? But they do happen. And I think talking through the history of bank failures lets you know that no one, you know, uh, some people, you, 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 you'll live yeah. and ultimately you will get your money back in some way, shape, or form, most of the time. Yes. Since 1934, not $1 has been lost in an FDIC-insured account that was under the limit. Yeah, I, I got to keep qualifying. Under, under the limit. If it's less than $250,000 in assets under FDIC or $500,000 in assets in SIPIC, you are going to get your money back. Facts. Over that, though, and there are some people, there are plenty of people who are over that, 
It might struggle yeah, a little bit. You know. But here's what I'll say. It's a little inconvenient. It is. I was watching CNBC this morning and last night. I watch CNBC all the time. In fact, I'm on CNBC all from time, time to time. Mm-hmm. I was on CNBC last week. It was so funny. I'm preparing for my CNBC slot. And uh, I actually liked the regional banks going into this year. And something told me, you know what? Maybe I should change say all that. my tune a little bit. It wasn't because of SVB. I'm just thinking about an environment where short-term rates, which is, again, the rate where deposits are based on, is super are super high. And long-term rates are super low. That's where they lend out. I'm like, oh, that's probably not good for banks. But either way, I digress. Um, I'm watching CNBC. And they, they are sitting outside of a branch office of Silicon Valley Bank. And there's a guy who had been there since like midnight the night before. Making sure that he's in line, first in line, 8 o'clock in the morning when the bank opens. So he can take his money out. Mm. And for him, he's like, look, this is my only bank account for my company. I can't make payroll. I can't pay my rent. Mm. I can't pay my vendors until I get this thing sorted out. So I'm going to stay my ass out here all night at the bank to make sure I'm first in line. So what I'm getting at is like, it's very inconvenient. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, what if, you know, our business accounts were at one of these banks? Yeah. And like, we had payroll. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you got some explaining to do, Lucy. You got some explaining to do. Yeah, so it's it's inconvenient. Right? I already don't like our bank. You like know the, that. the FDIC stepping up. But it's going to take some time. Yeah, it might take a couple of days. Like my man, you know, he was standing out there and they basically said, look, you'll get your money. It's just going to take a couple of days. So what advice would we have? You know, we talked about the FDIC limits and all that, and there might be some incentive to open up accounts at other banks. But isn't it good practice in general to just have multiple bank accounts? We agree, and not a ton, because we know y'all don't even remember where all your accounts are. But yeah, it helps to have your money around in a couple of different places. Um, I think we even talked about not even just specific to bank failures, but like bank fraud, right? Like somebody getting access to one of your accounts. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to have access to all of your dollars. And so having multiple bank accounts in a variety of different places helps. And in a variety of different formats, having traditional checking accounts versus brokerage accounts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If we talk about FDIC plus sipping together, if you've got you know, money spread between those two, you got $750,000 of account insurance. Or I just remember a time being broke, like, which wasn't that long First ago. of all, y'all, y'all did not, y'all did not pick up on the flex. It's not I, rem- a, oh I remember a time. Oh my God. Because I'm not, I'm saying, basically what he's saying is, it's up. Oh my God. Okay. I'm not saying it's that. It's up in my bank account. I remember the time okay, when so, I was broke. Oh my God. Like, I'm, But listen. That's a that's I sound well like a rapper behind now. me. I that's sound like a rapper. You one hundred percent did. I picked up on the flex. Oh my god, it's not a flex. But Tiffany, since we've known each other, you've mm-hmm. been with me. Like you saw me one day go to a bank and take all the cash out because I was like, look, I don't know what's going to happen in my other account. <laughs> that was a I long need time to make ago. sure I had some cash. That was a long time ago. So what I'm saying is, even if you're not anywhere near the two hundred fifty thousand dollar limits, it's helpful to have some cash to have multiple accounts mm-hmm. at multiple banks. In case your account gets messed up. Now, normally you're the one messing up the account. <laughs> but every now and then it might be. It might be them. It might be a bank run. Yeah. It might be the FDIC. It might be some other closure. And you've got to make sure that you can continue operating. So while you're opening up these multiple accounts, why not consider some black-owned banks? Thanks. Yeah. And I, I will say I've been banking with black-owned banks for a long time. And I've actually experienced one of those banks go under. And the FDIC stepped up 
they orchestrated the bank being sold to another black-owned bank, and that's how I came to be banking with Industrial Bank today. I like that. It was never inconvenient, though. Like, I know I said it could take a couple days. In my case, I never lost access to my account. And that's what happens for most people in the event of a bank failure. But in the event you're with an SVB and you're over the limit, it can be a lot more inconvenient. So consider a black bank. There's a ton of black banks that are out there. They're all great. There's online banks. There's online black banks. On that show where we talked about Bump Your Bank, we did give a whole list of recommendations on black banks to use. Some that have black people on their debit card, which is great. But consider online banks, consider black banks, and just consider some additional bank accounts. Other advice, in your brokerage account, why not use a money market fund instead of the default bank deposit option on the account? The reason I say that is money market funds are basically mutual funds that are the same as cash, but inside of the mutual funds, they're buying investments from multiple different issuers, multiple different creditors, multiple different banks and financial institutions. And so you're able to, in one investment, be a lot more diversified than placing your money inside of one bank where you're only exposed to the credit risk of that bank. So consider a, a money market fund. Not only do you get better diversification, today you also get a lot higher yields, higher return on investment from being in a money market fund yeah. than you do for being in a bank deposit. In addition, just consider keeping some cash on you. And we don't mean thousands and thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars in your in your mattress. We just mean like having some cash on hand. I am working on getting better at this and that I don't keep any cash on me. Mm -hmm. um, but there needs to be some cash just in the house for whatever the reason is. You know what I mean? If the electricity goes out and ATM machines or whatever aren't working, you just want to have some cash on your person and just a little bit of cash in the house. And then finally, don't panic. You got to keep investing. You got to keep saving. I know it feels like there's a lack of security here and there's declining confidence in our banking system. But honestly, this is cyclical. I'm just going to put it out there. Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank fail because of people. Yeah. And because of people talking mess, panicking, pointing people in a particular direction, putting out salacious information, and then they got enough people to do the same thing. Therefore, the bank fails. So we have to continue to do our part in order for us to have a strong banking system. This isn't some arbitrary government-created entity. We run our banks. Yeah. And so you got to keep saving. you got to keep investing because when the time comes that you want a mortgage or you need some help paying for something or you need a home equity loan, I'm telling you, that's coming from your neighbor. That's coming from people who are continuing to use the banking system, who are continuing to invest and make deposits. We've got to do our part for this to work. And unfortunately, it did not work for Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank this week, but it will continue to work moving forward. That's it. That's it. So we will be back next week. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Momentum.